Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. Thank you for joining me again today. You know, one thing that I've learned about God and the way that He reveals to us what His purpose and His mission is for our lives is that He will just do things in our life, even when we were a child, and especially like into high school years and college years, that will just be developing us for another season in our life for a purpose that he has for us. Maybe it's a class that you take in college that you really enjoy, or in high school even, or it's a friend that you meet during those years that y'all just really uh, connect and and y'all have some similar type of uh, interests and things that y'all talk about and dream about even, about what you may do one day. Or it's a skill that you you happen upon while you're working for someone else and, and you're allowed to develop that skill and you're not even sure why at the, at the time, why that's something that you're developing. Or maybe it's a hobby that you have that you continue to put time and, and resources into and you get better and better at it. And then one day you wake up and you realize, you know what? I have developed all these things and I have all these ideas that I have. And now I understand what God wants me to do right now. And you can look back and you can see how God was developing all those things throughout your life for the purpose and the and the mission that he has for you right now or in the near future. If that's totally foreign to you, what I would encourage you to do is is look back and just kind of think about things that you've learned and done over the years, people that you've gotten to know, and um, where there's some synergy in your life. And just ask God, God, is there something that you're developing in me that you're revealing to me that is part of my purpose and my mission that you want me to accomplish for your mission now or in the near future? I bet you find something. Well, in today's podcast, I interview a friend of mine, Colby May, and he shares exactly how that played out in his life over the last several years, going back to at least his college years. Colby is a certified energy manager, and that was a career that he had for a few years after college. He's, you know, he's going to share with us what he studied in college and how that played into what God's uh, purposes for his life now and the mission that he's on. He's going to share with us why he got into um, energy management. He's going to share with us why he went to seminary and how he went to seminary for one reason, but he came out with a whole different worldview and uh, passion and how all those things have intersected and leads to what he's doing now. And he's going to share about um, a company that he founded um, several years ago called Lit and you can find out more about it by listening to this podcast. And I think you're going to, there's a couple things that I, I hope that you hear. One is how God does do that. He prepares us for a mission and a purpose for different seasons of our life. But also you can hear how you can be on mission for, um, for God and doing what his, he has purpose for your life. And it can be all kinds of different ways you do that. And one of those is just, the things that you do for work and business. And we call that in the mission world, business as mission. And so I want you to hear that as well. So I'm excited to let Colby explain more about what he's been doing, what he is doing now, what his company does. And and I hope you enjoy this. And I know you will, this interview. And at the end, I'll tell you how you can um, get to the show notes if you're not there already on my website and also get more information about Colby and the work that they're doing. So let's join that conversation with Colby May. I'm here uh, sitting with Colby May, the founder of Lit, and excited about hearing more of his personal story that kind of led to him founding this this company and also um, 
Bolts and bolts of it, nuts and bolts of it. So I'm excited to hear about that. But welcome, good to have Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to be here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are. Your, if you want to share about your family, that's cool, and and uh, your background. Sure. You know, I, I work in regards to live in the in kind of ministry, and I'll tell you a little bit a little bit about our background too. But you know, I, I wear two unique hats, and we'll talk about that. But degree from. Gordon Conwell focused on missions, what I call integral missions, which is proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. Okay. Uh, but also a certified energy manager and have been since 2001. Basically, what does that mean? Is we manage energy and yeah. especially in Texas, you know, there's a big potential there. But, you know, even mm. going back, you know, I grew up in Dallas, mm-hmm. great parents, you know, went to Texas Tech. And, you know, you felt, when you go into college, it's right. quite funny how that plays into the bigger picture of what you're doing. I went into college not knowing what I really wanted to do. I just knew I, I loved you know international whatever it might be, right? Just right. different cultures. So I focused on international business and Spanish. And, you know, I pushed into it. You know, mm-hmm. some classes I liked, some I didn't like. You know, I liked uh, counting so much I took it three times. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, I you know I, I I focused on that and finished tech in two thousand one. Then married. This girl I met at Camp Ozark in Arkansas as a, a counselor. It's a Christian camp called Camp Ozark. Mm-hmm. As a counselor named Amanda May. We won't get into all that, but, you know, we, we met in 99, 2000. And then, yeah. you know, we did long distance. She went to the University of Texas. I went to Texas Tech. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we did two years long distance. Got got married, moved to Houston, did something else. But didn't get, you know, came came back to Austin and had that opportunity to really focus in on energy management. Mm. And in Texas, and you know, regardless of the economy, people mm-hmm. want to conserve energy. Mm-hmm. People want to, especially with climate change, and you see the, the need there, you're seeing more and more focus on uh, the desire to want to conserve and want to save energy just to be righteous. But not only is it, you know, good thing to do, right thing to do, yeah. but it saves, you know, it saves money that you can redirect it elsewhere. So, right. So, and talking about my background, kind of talking about the unique hats I wear, you know, sure. that's kind of where where we are at the at the moment. So I will say, and maybe this is part of your questions and maybe I'm jumping forward too quick, but, you know, with, you know, with, I was an energy manager from 01 and still am, 01 to 2012. But I was also a volunteer youth pastor, college pastor at a mm-hmm. church in, mm-hmm. in Round Rock called New Hope Community Church. Right. We really had stirring that, yeah, I like energy management. It's good, but just there's something missing. I had this desire to dig deeper and I, yeah, really felt a strong desire, and my wife and I both did to go to seminary. You know, long story mm-hmm. and long reason why we picked Boston, but we wanted to focus in on, you know, human trafficking. For example, human trafficking. Why do we do right. those kinds of things? Why do we do what we do as a culture? Right. When I went in wanting to study that, but I came out passionate about missions mm-hmm. because if you want to change the hands, you have to change the heart. Right. And to do that through the local church, so. Long story short, now those are two intersections, and I'll, I'll get into that maybe based on your next question, but that's the kind of intersection we find ourselves at now is mm-hmm. energy management and missions. So, yeah, I always love to see how God weaves our schooling and our experiences and weaves those together to work out the plan he has for our mm-hmm. lives. And that's when I listen to your story, that's what I see. It's real vivid mm-hmm. seeing that, and that's really okay. cool. So did Amanda go, did she take uh, courses at, at Gordon also? or is it just She, you? you know, the wives are allowed to audit courses for free. So okay. she audited like the New Testament, nice. the Old Testament, yep. 
um, and uh, spiritual formations. Uh, yeah. She wants to go back, but no, she didn't take it. Yeah. No, that's Just, great to have that opportunity. And obviously, you had two young boys, because I know you've got two boys that are... Yeah, Carter and Cohen, Yeah. nine, and about to be 11. Carter's about to be 11, Cohen, nine. Yeah, so they were really young when y'all... Yeah, yeah, they were. We were just watching videos last night of the boys, <laughs> and and it just seems like yesterday. But they were three, and yeah. you know, and five, and now they're nine and eleven. So it's just wow, crazy to see how time flies. Okay, so you got a degree, international business and Spanish from Texas Tech, and uh, then you were in the energy management field. Mm-hmm. You know, you were working for companies that did that for a while. Mm-hmm. Your heart was stirring about just being more hands-on ministry. Mm-hmm. So I'd go to seminary, and you come out of there really jazzed about missions. Uh, uh, is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yes, yeah. yeah. Just just felt like that's my call. That's what I'm yeah. supposed to be doing in a nutshell, you know, my focus yeah. ministry-wise. So what? how did you get from that to starting Lit? And, and we'll get into more of what Lit's all about. Well, first we started lit in 2012, just as a way to fund our way through seminary. Okay, you know, let's just let's yeah. just do energy audits at churches or maybe some buildings here and there. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, just kind of God just we tried to get you know we tried to to get on with an organization called World Relief. You know, the doors weren't open there. Yeah, World Vision or an sure. international justice mission that the doors weren't really open there, and there's never really a lot of peace there. But there was always this just unique mm-hmm. intersection and. The deeper we moved into the, you know, God knows, you know, it just took me a while to kind of open my eyes and say, hey, this is, mm-hmm. this is, what, even after seminary, this is what I'm supposed to do. So it just kind of morphed in, into this, yeah, there's a huge opportunity, and I'll get into that later, but there's this beautiful intersection, not just in energy savings that can be redirected, but mm-hmm. the desire, the, the dire need to create bivocational indigenous missionaries in a sense uh, I'll talk about that more if you, if you want, but then mm-hmm. the deeper we push, the more, you know, the more we see the, the need mm-hmm. with that. So I didn't realize you'd started lit when y'all first went up to seminary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five years. Wow. So this, you know, I touched on this in the intro, but let's just, in your words, tell us what's, what is lit all about? What, what's the whole purpose? What's behind it? We, we sit at the intersection of sustainability more directly, energy management, mm-hmm. and what I would call integral ho- or holistic missions. Basically, you can say missions. Yeah. Uh, just we sit at that whole intersection. You know that that's what we're about. You know, you look at a couple stats. You know, according to State of the Plate, the U.S. Church tithed fifty billion dollars in two thousand thirteen. Ten billion was spent on energy and maintenance of our buildings. Now, there's nothing wrong with buildings. We need our buildings. I'm not. But I think the way we manage our buildings, there's there's so much potential there. Mm-hmm. So of that ten million dollar, of the ten billion dollars we spent on, you know, compare that to our missions. We gave globally as a church in 2013 one billion to missions, yet we're spending ten billion on our facilities, you know, utilities, which is our second biggest budget item in maintenance and operations. So mm-hmm. first off, there's just a lot of potential. Yeah. Why not, through good Christian stewardship, sustainability, energy management, redirect 10 to 20% of that budget from the utility company to um, your missional organizations, our missional partners, mm-hmm. You know, something that's very focused on and partnering and, 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 and focusing in on the local church 
so that the local church in that context and that culture can yeah. be a light, a strategic light. So that's the unique intersection you bet. from the bird's eye view, but there's all the other ways um, that we hone in on that. I can see where that mindset, that mentality really does create a more holistic view of missions within a local church. You know, having served on staff, mm-hmm. a couple of different roles over the years, youth pastor many years ago like you have done, and then missions pastor. So we, we have some parallels, sounds like, in that regard, but you really do see where things kind of get siloed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and seeing where the church will look at how they're spending their money on their facilities, which, like I say, is a huge part of budgets, and see how they can steward that better and then funnel that, that savings into you know reaching more around the world. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Well, take us through the process, because I know you, you talk to churches all over the country, uh, take us through the process of what you sit down when you sit down at the church. What do you do? What do you show? What do you talk to them about? Yeah, for example, you know, we did Buckhead Church in Georgia or mm-hmm. um, Summit Church in in North Carolina. Now you sit down with the churches, and first off, a couple things to keep in mind. You know, we've we've done about five thousand energy audits mm-hmm. um, before and after churches. You know, according to the EPA, thirty percent of the energy we use is wasted, mm-hmm. which means we can recapture that with no cost and low cost behavior change. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've done five thousand, right? Uh, and every single one, we've seen a large component of no cost, low cost opportunity, simply ch- changing the way that you operate. So, going and working with a church like Summit Church in North Carolina, who has a, an excellent facility director, Matt. But um, the average facility manager, sometimes that's the pastor. <laughs> right. You know, many times larger churches have their own dedicated facility manager or facility management team. Mm-hmm. But nine times out of ten, they're in reactive mode. They're trying to put out fires. They're trying to solve problems, trying to make people comfortable. Yeah. But they're not being proactive. Right. Thinking outside the box regarding mm-hmm. energy management. And that's not, you know, necessarily the, their fault. That's just part of the game. So... Our desire is to work with the facility manager, whoever that is, mm-hmm. so that you know they can be more proactive in regards to energy management. Now, after we do that, we want to be very purposeful mm-hmm. in capturing that and either funding funding their mission organization or creating. Many times, we're creating a mission department for a church that's never had one. Mm-hmm. There's one in Garland that had a one percent missional budget. We came in and you know it went up to I think to five to seven percent. Right. But it was completely funded through energy savings. Yeah. See, that's what we want to do, and that's what mm-hmm. we're focused on. So we'll we'll sit with the church like Summit, and if they're interested and want to move forward to the next step, and then that's when we come in, we sit down with them, we do an interview of, mm-hmm. yeah. You tell me when to stop, you know, when this that's is getting good. too boring or if you're starting to fall asleep, but <laughs> how you, 50% of your HVAC use, yeah. or your energy use, is your heating and your cooling. Okay. How are you heating and you're cooling these large churches that, have 50 different zones and maybe you're only operating two zones but they're heating or cooling all 50 zones Mm -hmm. and they're doing it at a very low set point Mm -hmm. or they're lighting all this outside air especially like in Houston where it's real humid come into the building it's expensive to ring all that much so long story short we just walk through a lot of those strategies Mm -hmm. the lighting is only typically 20 to 30 percent so people say energy yeah we need to change our lights you know that's part of it Mm-hmm. But the largest part is your HVAC, how you operate. Sure. Then building envelope and other stuff like that. Yeah. So we do an energy audit that's focused on uncovering a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, the utility bills. Many churches, 
you know, are being charged sales tax when they shouldn't. So that's money that can be recaptured mm. and redirected mm. and repurposed. So that that's the, the that's nerdy not, business. That's yeah. the nerdy business end, which I like. And, you know, not everybody like, but there's so much potential. You know, that's our tent-making job that we've made into yeah. our ministry. Yeah. But you go to a church that spends $300,000 a year, and you save them just 10%. Yeah. That's $30,000 just in energy savings, not maintenance. That they can recapture and fund strategic local church, you know, indigenous church um, movements in you know whatever country, right? You know, especially a lot of these developing or closed nations. Mm-hmm. So, so you that's do, our so, yeah. So you do the audit. You sit down with them. You do the audit. You show them where they can you know adjust things and, and recoup a lot mm-hmm. of this. And so now they have these funds. So how do you help them go from the step of an audit to? You know how to direct those. Funds. Sure, you have to ver- First of all, you have to verify the savings. You know, yeah. you look at sure. Look at their, you know, your their energy expense before, mm-hmm. and I won't get into all the nerdy calculations, but you identify the energy savings. Then they capture that, and they have this, mm-hmm. you know, specific number that they all agree that they agree on, the elders agree on, that we agree on. That's then captured and redirected either to our. Mm-hmm. We have a we're a five hundred one c three. And we focus on working in India, Congo, Kenya, etc. Okay. Um, how do you get into that? Or it's it's theirs. Right. So we're trying to be very purposeful in doing that. Sure. So if it's a church that has a pretty well-developed um, involvement in missions around the world, then they can just redirect it into what they're doing already. Yeah, yeah. You know, many times will churches will, will put it to their you know bottom line because they don't. And then, of course, that goes to help the salaries and community engagement, right. etc. So it's up yeah. to them how they use it? it, it yeah. Well, in a sense, yes. It's, okay. de- it's dependent. But many, we come in with a discounted rate or many times mm-hmm. we're funded from outside sources. And if we do, mm-hmm. then, then we want them to be very purposeful. For example, let's make it simple. If you have, you know, of your savings... Why don't you just tie the portion of that, maybe, for example, to our 501c3, mm-hmm. or tie the portion of that to your missional department. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so there's there's different ways going about that, but it's yeah. very purposeful in what we're trying to do there. Yeah. And that's part of it. I mean, there's oh, yeah, yeah. there's other things. For example, a lot of these closed nations are no longer allowing missionaries or just right. church planters. Um, there's, a, there's a strong and a growing need for bivocational because they want mm-hmm. people to invest into the economy yeah. not just spark churches so the, the need to um, be empowered in for example energy management or mm-hmm. sustainability solar for example using those technologies to create bivocational indigenous right. Right. church planning missionaries <laughs> that's a lot it's a big sentence but that's that's where we're seeing we're going we're moving mm-hmm. from you know colonialism and then westerners going and being missionaries, now you're seeing indigenous right. church planters, and now you're starting to see pushback on that and the need for bivocational. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're seeing the move that way, and that's what we're ready to invest in more and more. Is that what you, that's what lit your 501c3 portion of it? That's what y'all, that's what y'all are focused on, right? Correct. Yeah. The LLC will pour energy savings into the 501c3, yeah. and it's the 501c3 yeah. that will we, for example, we just we just started uh, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in grant startup for for bivocational mm-hmm. um, indigenous sure. missionaries in Kenya, yeah, and going through the local church with the mm-hmm. accountability through the local church. So, you know, it's really cool to see 
how you're not only addressing like poverty alleviation mm-hmm. and poverty which can lead to things like human trafficking and other mm-hmm. injustices, but addressing it head on, poverty alleviation, but it, but even more importantly, you know, giving them the spiritual need and, and bringing them back to the heart of the Father mm-hmm. through these kind of intersections. And, and so we're seeing, we're starting to see a lot of fruit. We're starting to see it move more and more that way. Yeah. So it's really cool. You know, yeah. just a unique intersection. Mm-hmm. At, uh, and here we are, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you're touching on, you know, we're talking about kind of the process that you go through with a local church. And then if they choose to redirect some of those funds into what you guys are doing, yeah, that's feeding kind of your what your objectives are, right, or goals are as an organization, what you want to see yes. happen around the world. I line up with that. I mean, you and I have talked about that a few times, how we mm-hmm. think similarly about those kind of things. But do you want to expand on that any, or does that kind of capture what? Well, in a, you know, in, a, in a nutshell, you have, you know, the U.S. portion, mm-hmm. capturing energy savings yep. through these energy audits. It's redirected and funneled either into our 501c3 mm-hmm. or it's creating, which I think is it's even too, yeah. super exciting. It's creating missional departments yeah. um, within some churches. And that, so that's one end, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other end is the money that's funneled in. So it's, it's for example, we're not going necessarily and asking for grants and donations, right. which we do, but we're going out and saying, no, let us find it ourselves through XYZ. Mm-hmm. We'll recapture that. And then what we as an organization want to do is I, I said that we want to create bivocational. And by doing that, you're allowing pastors that maybe were in the midst of poverty, et cetera, mm-hmm. now able to support their family. We have some stories, but support their families. Mm-hmm. Wait, you know, send their kids to school for the first time ever that they've never been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Starting to tie to the church for the first time ever. Being able to, you know, give. Because we don't want anybody to pass any. We don't want, we, we require no repayment. Mm-hmm. We ask them to pay it forward. Right. So if we give, say, $10,000 for somebody to start a vegetable stand or a fish stand in mm-hmm. Kenya, you know, we ask once they you know, reach a certain you know, comfortable living standard mm-hmm. that they, they pay it forward mm-hmm. instead of paying it back. So it's not like a micro way. Yeah. We don't want, yeah. you know, I think microfinances have good and have a purpose. We just sure. decided to. That's just not your mom. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. We're, hopefully, right. we have this, you know, this endless stream of. Right. Money through energy savings that we can capture and use to fund you bet. this. But even the bigger aspect of it is, mm-hmm. you know, is, is the indigenous church planting aspect, using solar in the unreached areas, you, you know, to the unreached people groups, like in India, where there's over two thousand mm-hmm. unreached people groups, yeah. you know, that have never heard the gospel, right. in, you know, what over a thousand different languages or mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know for sure, but using that process and using sustainability as a tool. For the end goal, which is reaching the unreached people group and bringing them back to, yeah. to the heart of the Father. It's, so that, that's kind of the uniqueness that we stand at. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, on both ends, as you're calling it. We mentioned, you know, there's different stories. You know, do you have a story or two that come to mind of, of what you've seen? You know, some, some of that fruit, you know, with some of these indigenous pastors or missionaries? Yeah, and so in, in Kenya, where a guy named Jim Brown, they're actually going in two weeks to do the... They did one round. Mm-hmm. I think we started 12 businesses mm-hmm. through the U.S. local church to be poured out into right, yeah. in Kenya. And we started six businesses, or seven businesses. I think, I don't know what I said later earlier. Yeah. Excuse me, we started seven businesses, okay. right? And six of them were very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you ask yourself, why was that one not successful? Well, there was a drought. 
They had to eat their crops. You know, that person, as a result, felt kind of a lot of shame. You know, so even addressing that, Mm -hmm. everything we do is full of grace. Yep. It's full of grace. You don't want anything repaid, you know? You do what you have to do for your family. We're just trying to help Mm -hmm. spark something, you know, within you. But those other six families which have been in poverty, you know, all, all their life, maybe even for generations, you're seeing them all of a sudden have this entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, you know, they're sending their kids to school for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that do for future generations? What right. is that going to do for yeah. for him or her, that little child and their family? And mm-hmm. what's that going to do for the overall economy? So mm-hmm. you have the physical need and you see the improvement on the country. But even more importantly, you know, we're, we're asking these people to be very missional and right. purposeful right. in how they outreach and how they leverage that for church planting strategies. So mm-hmm. you see the physical needs met and we're starting to see the spiritual needs mm-hmm. met. You know, we use the we lose use the pastor or the, the elder board kind of as the overseers to keep accountability mm-hmm. for what we're trying to do in XYZ. So that that's some of the, yeah. the fruit that we're starting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so it's good. It is good. So tell tell us again the locations that y'all are currently working in. You said we're yeah we're we're working in we're starting to work and this is a different thing. We're starting to work in Goma, Congo, yeah, which is part of the Rwandan genocide mm-hmm. overflow kind of you have sure. this thing you call the Kivu conflict and in the parts of North Kivu or South Kivu, you have, they say nine out of ten women have been raped mm-hmm. as a weapon of war, right? And even after they're they're taken, their dignity is taken, you know, as a in a lot of these tribes, it's seen as a curse from God if you were raped. So they kick you out of the tribe. They kick you out of the family. So not only has she lost her dignity because she was trying to provide for the family, long story, we'll get into it, but now you know, she's kicked out of the house, kicked out of the family. So how can we leverage sustainability, right? For example, in Goma, and I'm taking, I'm, this is the long-winded answer. That's great. But to, to pour into the local church in Goma so that the local church can be the answer to the right. to conflict resolution, yep. to you know medical treatment, to you know you're starting to see pastors fall away from the faith. Sure, because in Congo, ninety to ninety five percent of the people are Christian, but many of them are polytheistic. So they worship God on Sunday, and they go back to pagan sacrifice to their pagan gods Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing the heart of, of a lot of the pastors fall away because they see all this ugliness. They start to question their faith and ask why God. Mm-hmm. So part of the, the education and training is we're pouring into them so that this team, Marcel, and the team can go and and just they have this educational curriculum, et cetera, to, just to spark some change and bring them back to the heart of the Father so they can stand mm-hmm. up and become leaders in their tribes and be an answer to God. So, so go Makongo, mm-hmm. India, I won't yep. get into that. You know, yep. Kochi, India, through Nepal. Yep. Uh, China, raising up church, um, Mm -hmm. young church leaders in parts of China, and and we're starting to do some stuff in Myanmar, Mm -hmm. which is orphanages, Bible college, church planting, as well as stuff in Kenya. Those five countries that we're focusing in on now. Do you partner with organizations that are involved in those areas? Yes. We don't want to recreate anything. Sure. You know, so if we... Any partners we have, we consider, you know, the indigenous, mm-hmm. you know, the church plant. They know the culture. They yeah. know the people. They can speak the language. The last thing they need is Westerners yeah. to come in. So everything we do is mm-hmm. is based on local church partnership. Okay. Be it an organization like in India, 
mm-hmm. or um, an organization of churches like in China. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Congo. Right. I mean, it's a partnership of churches that we're working with, and then you know, in Myanmar, it's an organization. Yeah. Of you know, five to ten churches in India. I didn't mention it was five hundred church planning network that we're working with. Okay. There. Yeah. So. I love the, the, the intersection that, that uh, God's brought you to. I've always had a fascination with business as mission, and Bam, you yeah. know, that's what you're really describing, both yeah. both here, but then also in these countries, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. What, we, what we even want to do here and how we want to expand as a U.S. organization is teach, because I think the U.S. church is slowly moving towards bivocational hmm. need for pastors as well. Oh, sure. Um, not everywhere, but many times if we can teach a pastor here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. to be bivocational yep. in this trade of energy management too, you know, you yeah. have that apprentice teacher type of thing here that you're trying to raise up in the U.S. Funds mm-hmm. are funneled into the 501c3, which is poured out mm-hmm. to our missional partners overseas. Yeah, it's a good good process. Well, Kobe, thank you yeah, for coming and sharing. Thanks and, for listening. For me, it's fascinating. I hope it is for those who are listening, and I know that definitely for some it will mm-hmm. be. And uh, I think this is a you know whether it's this you know, what you're doing specifically, or it spurs and compels people to think of, you know about how to look at things differently mm-hmm. in the context that they're in. You know, whether as an individual or as a church or organization, that, that people you know compel people to do mm-hmm. that. I think that's needed and that's exciting. That's what we're hoping to do, and that's what we're trying to do. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, may God continue to give you favor in what you're doing. Thanks. I'll take it. I really appreciate Colby taking some time and sitting down and talking with me and sharing with us about uh, the work that he's doing both locally, helping churches uh, capture, as he was saying, capture saving uh, energy savings and then redirecting those to um, mission work all around the world. And I appreciate um, the the work that they're doing and how he is doing business as mission. And so I just love the, the twofold uh, impact that Colby and, and his business is having on um, getting the word out around the world. Now, on my show notes, on my website in the show notes and, and the extra information there, you can find a link to um, his business website. And what I really like on his website is one thing that they share is, is one, the process that they that they do this, how they uh, perform an energy study, whether it's with a church or a school or, or some kind of organization. And then they help that organization capture their energy savings and redirect it to mission work. And then how they also... Uh, leverage sustainability principles to you know initiate or spark gospel center uh, centric communities around this country and other places and then he also on the website also shares some goals that they have and i i'm not going to go into those because i want you to go check it out and and check out their website and if you are um, a leader in a church or an organization like that that could benefit from this i highly recommend that you get in touch with colby um if you are someone who wants to really uh, explore how you can be involved with business as mission, I encourage you to talk to Colby as well because he can really give you some good insight on how to do that. So to get that information along with the show notes, go to kennethacamp.com slash episode 30, and that'll take you straight to that page if you're not already on it. So thank you again for joining me here at His Hands, His Feet. Until next time.